It's all right to clap. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we, we do. We come and we celebrate you. The fact that you are good and that you do good and that you loved us so much that you sent your only begotten son to love us and provide a way. Jesus, we agree that yours is the name above every name, that you've accomplished that which no one else could accomplish that you're the great hero of all of history and we look forward to that day when every knee bows and every tongue confesses that, that you're Lord to the glory of God the Father but until then even though you don't demand that we bow we bow because you deserve it and you are all together loving and good and so I admit I've got nothing um, to feed your body with unless you show up and care for them so I pray that you would fill me with your spirit to serve and support, strengthen, to encourage and equip your body, that we might look more and more like you, Jesus, that we might be filled with your joy, that our, our lives might overflow to a lost and dying world so that more people might come and repent and put their faith in you. So I pray you'd use this morning for your glory. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome, 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 welcome. So glad you're here. Uh, if you're a guest, visitor, first-timer, um, we, we really do delight that you're here. Um, this is Hillside. We believe Jesus changes everything. And I'm convinced today that if you would repent and put your faith in Jesus, he'll change you too. Uh, Jesus, um, he starts, he's going to change everything. By the end of the story, he makes all things new. He starts by changing us. He's changing me. My name's Dave. I'm, I'm really shocked that I'm a pastor. I'm actually, I have new life in Christ. I'm a recovering meth head, an alcoholic, saved by grace, and I get to preach the gospel. So I've never met anybody worse than me. So if you're here and you're surprised God hasn't struck you down, he didn't strike me down. He, in fact, sent his son down to save me, and he wants to do the same for you this morning. So that's the whole sermon in a nutshell. You, you can just give your life to Jesus and we're all done. Amen. But I love looking at the scriptures and you've got a delightful text this morning. It is just astounding. If I had 50, 60 years to preach it, we'd find new delight in it every day. It's hilarious. It's delightful. It's filled with joy. And I've prayed for you this week that, that your joy might be restored. Even as we look at this text, you'd find joy in the person of Jesus Christ. So it's in John chapter 2. I'll read it to you. If you'll open up your Bibles to John chapter 2, we'll read 1 through 11 and, and really just delight in it together. Let me read it to you. In John chapter 2... This is going to be Jesus' first miracle as John records it. So it's John 2, verses 1 through 11. God says, and John writes this, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with us? That's, that's good. Woman, <laughs> try that, husbands. No, I'm kidding. It won't go well for you. Don't try it. This is Jesus, and we'll unpack this in a minute. Woman, what has this to do with us? My hour has not yet come. Was mother then said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Well, Jesus said to the servants, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. And when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first. When the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poor wine. But you've kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of his signs. Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So this is an astounding passage. I'm gonna walk you through it and hopefully point you to the point. Uh, we, we tend to get hung up on the sign, but, 
The sign's not the thing. It points to the thing that all of us are going to get to and enjoy for all eternity. So let me begin with a big theological picture. If you're here, you've never read the Bible, you don't know the Bible, if you just picked up the Bible and you started reading through one of the huge truths, and it'd probably shock you, one of the huge truths you'd hit is in Psalm 16 that God is a God of joy, that he is in fact full of joy, that in his presence is fullness of joy. Amen? Okay, that's so sad. Listen, Roderick came last week, and I thought he was going to teach you how to be a responsive audience. Did, did he teach you nothing? I'm going to have to call him and be like, bud, there's still a white audience. I need help. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to have him keep coming back to, to just teach us. God is the God of, of joy. Let, let me show you that joy is the serious business of heaven. I understand that most of you have been hurt, harmed, wounded, and bored to death in church. Amen? All right, here we go. No, it's true. How many of you growing up, it was like, if I want to experience joy, where do I go? I should go to church because that's where joy is to be found. I mean, we just have so much fun at church. Mom, Dad, can we go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? Any Baptists here? Can, I, can we go all the time? Because it's so fun, and I laugh, and I delight, and I, that's something happened in American evangelicalism. I don't think we read the Bible for a good four decades. It was astounding. Let me prove my theological point to you this morning. I don't just make it up. Pull up Psalm 1611. Here's what God says. Uh, you make known to me the path of life, and in your presence, O God, is fullness of joy. Apparently, in the presence of God Almighty, there's fullness of joy. And in his right hand, there are So he's a God of joy and a God of pleasure. I missed this somewhere growing up. I thought God was pretty grumpy most of the time and pretty mad. And I heard every week, He's going to send me to hell and a lot of other people. He's going to send a lot of people to hell because we all make him mad. I didn't know God was actually full of joy and actually joy is the serious business of eternity in heaven and he's given us a taste of that. Do you know, I could make an argument for God just from physiology, your sight, sound, taste, touch. He's put you together for delight and joy. Do you know that? He's a God of joy. If you don't get that, pull up John chapter 15, verse 11. He sent his son on this mission of joy, to restore joy, to infuse joy so that joy might bubble out of us in a joyless, jaded world. Watch what Jesus says. These things I've spoken to you that my joy might be in you and that your joy may be made overflowing. So apparently coming and being with the body of Christ ought to be the most joyful place, joyful event. So if we're not expressing and experiencing delight, laughter, joy, something's off, yo. Amen? Like something's, bro- whoa, one person really got it. Amen to you, sister. Uh, you got, yes. Now, now, some of us have been like, yeah, okay, we can do all that, but the Holy Spirit's a little freaky. Let's not go. Watch what the Holy Spirit, when you're regenerated, born again, confess Christ, repent, the Spirit of God comes to dwell in you. He actually begins to grow certain things in me and in you. Pull up Galatians 5, 20, 22, the fruit of the Spirit. And, and this actually makes the top of the list. Number one, the fruit of the Spirit that he's going to grow in me is love and then So it's the business of God to instill, infuse, and invest his joy in us that our joy might be seen. So God's a God of joy, and if we miss that, we're missing everything. Now, something happened, though. If you read straight through the Bible, you'd see this small theological picture about sin and death that runs from Genesis 3 clear throughout to Revelation 20 when death gets thrown into hell for all eternity. Sin always always, 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 always separates us from the source of joy. Where sin remains in my life, I'm cut off from joy. Now, for those in recovery, I'll I'll quote the big book of AA. 
It cuts us off from the sunlight of the spirit. Sin always promises joy, but leaves you jacked up and jaded. It promises pleasure, but produces pain. Uh, and in America, we don't get this. That's why we're running after idols. We don't have joy, so we trade it for cheap dopamine hits. We'll buy a new package. That's why per capita, per person, there is so much storage space in America. You know why? Because we find joy in more, more, more. I think there's like 5.5 square, doesn't matter. We have a lot of storage space because we buy a lot of stuff. Why? Because you open that new plastic. Oh, I get a new plastic thing from China. And it's literally a dopamine hit. We go buy more clothes. Our answer when we run out of joy, go buy more stuff. And then it produced joy once, then I got to store it and save it. Or eat more. Or we, we just overindulge. They're cheap. They're substitutes for the true source of joy, who's Jesus Christ. Now, there's good news because if you read through the Bible, the whole Bible, and you may not know this, the entire Bible, the whole Bible, from in the beginning to in the end, is the gospel. It's the good news of how God, he created you for joy every sense you have. Sin separated you from the source of joy, the one true God, and God loved you so much he sent his son Jesus Christ, to live the life you couldn't, I couldn't, to die the death you owed, to be buried and conquer the enemy death you couldn't, to rise again and now give salvation by grace through faith to anyone who would believe in him. And in that moment, justification, he reconnects you, reconciles you. He plugs you back into the source of joy, the one true God. Here's why this matters. Let me tell you why this matters. America is running out and has run out of joy. Did you see the CNN report, February 2nd, 2022? CNN. Oh, if it was on Fox, you would have watched it. Whatever. Fox didn't report it, which is astounding. You would, you would assume Fox would report this and CNN wouldn't. That's why it caught my attention. Joy is at an all-time low in America since we've ever been measured, since it's ever been measured. Joy is at the bottom. Happiness is gone. Joy has leaked. Even with a Democratic president and all that's going on, joy is gone. This is the greatest open door for gospel advancement that the church has seen in centuries. And yet we sit here like this. See, this is why I just got to keep pushing in and say, God's joy. He sent his son who's joy. He's filled you with joy. If we can repent of that sin, whatever's separating us, joy will flow in a lost and dying world who's lost all joy will say, there's actually, there's actually joy in Jesus? You see, Jesus is the source of joy. If you're here and you truly want to be happy, Jesus is the source of joy. If you want to truly be happy, happiness comes from holiness, and there's only one person you can make you holy. His name's Jesus Christ. And so that's what this text is going to put before us. Let me unpack it for you. It's beautiful. Uh, it truly has changed my life. So we're going to jump in and see three things. We're going to see the sign that Jesus does, the sign. We're going to see the wine, and we're going to see the line. Sign, wine, line. You get it? Write it down. It'll stick. You won't even have to write it down. You'll wake up tomorrow. Sign, wine, line. Why am I saying that? It's like a Dr. Seuss book. I know. That's what makes it stick right? Green eggs and ham, y'all. Watch this. Go, uh, we'll look at the sign first. Watch. John is amazing. I think, I don't know this for sure. I look forward to sitting with, down with John. I think he may have been neuroatypical before they even knew what that was. Watch how he writes this because he drops these clues and things in here. They're just beautiful. Watch. Uh, let's look at the sign. I'll, I'll read one, two, and 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. So there was a wedding. He wants you to know that. Watch verse 2. And, and both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. So there was a wedding. Now watch verse 11. This is the beginning of the signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. There's five things I want you to see here. Uh, stay on verse 11 just for a minute. The sign is never the thing. The sign always points to the thing. I'm going to say it again because 
due to the charismatic movement, the conservative evangelical churches are like, well, signs and wonders are done. And the sign is never the thing. The sign points you to the thing that's greater. It's meant to point you to something. You don't get it. How many of you have ever driven to Houston? Hands. Okay, I figure it's everybody. If not, how many of you have ever driven to Dallas? Doesn't matter because Bucky signs are both ways, amen? <laughs> it's a Texan thing. Now, it's weird from Oregon. We don't have Bucky's. So I was driving to Houston the first time to go down and teach, and I saw this beaver on a sign that said 168 miles. And I was like, that's weird. That's super weird. You know, I'm in a strange land, strange people, and they have signs with beavers. Next one, get your beaver nuggets. And I was like, you got to be kidding. <laughs> like, this is Oz. Something's weird here. They're buying beaver nuggets. And I know what those are. Even from Oregon, I know what real beaver nuggets are. Y'all don't have beaver nuggets down here. In Oregon, that's beaver poo. Nobody stopped on I-10 in front of the Bucky's sign and basked in its glory. Nobody. I've never driven by any one of the thousands of Bucky signs. I mean, they're everywhere. It's ridiculous. The Bucky signs point you to something greater. And it's astounding when I actually pulled in, all of Texas was there. There was a line. People will wait to go to the bathroom at Bucky's. It's that clean. It's astounding. You see, the sign is not the thing. The sign points you to something greater. Don't miss this. Jesus changing water into wine was meant to point you to eternity and what he's got in store for you, and it's good. Number two, you need to know, not only is the sign not the thing, it points you to something beautiful. Go to verse one. I want to show you this. Jesus, the way John writes it is astounding. He wants you to see something. Start out with the first four words. And you're going to know what to do with this. On the third day. Okay. Those of you who have been Christians, what happened on the third day? Resurrection. So whatever John is pointing you, whatever the sign is pointing you to, it's going to be resurrection joy. It's going to be good. John's like, I'm just going to prep you with the first four words. I'm going to get your, your hearts ready for some resurrection joy. I'm bringing joy back, yo. John's prepping you. But it gets even better than that. Because if, if your mind works and you're a little bit, and you're memorizing through the book of John, you realize John actually starts back in Genesis when he starts in the beginning, John 1.1, the first day. John purposefully points us back to Genesis. Then in 129, he says, on the next day. Then in 135, on the day after that. Then 143, the day after that. Then in 2 1, three day, on the third day. So 4 plus, th four plus 3? Oh, well, public school, give me a break. Four, <laughs> four plus 3, it, you read through it from 1 1 to 2 1, you add up the days. Guess how many days you'll come up with when you hit the third day after that? So he's going to talk about the third day, resurrection joy. What did God do on the seventh day of creation? He rested. So John is saying, hey, I'm prepping your hearts for some serious joy. Yo. It's going to be resurrection joy, restful joy. And all of this is taking place at a wedding. Now, in America, we don't, we don't get this because we spend tens of thousands of dollars for an event that lasts really about an hour. And in fact, if it goes over an hour, we're like, oh, a, you know, the Aggies are playing. We got to get out of here. Like, this is just dragging on and on. I don't even know if these kids are going to make it. I don't even like them. <laughs> That's kind of how it happens. In, and you know it. We, go, we get in our suits, and so many weddings now are outdoors. Amen? In August? You ever done it? Yeah, it's a little taste of South Hell. It's not. No, no, no. Worst story ever. So I was at a wedding and I had pulled a muscle in my back. So I put icy hot, an icy hot patch, outdoor wedding in August. So I start sweating and icy hot runs all down underneath. Yeah, horrible. I ended up, I tapped out of the wedding. I was like, babe, I got to go home. I'm burning so bad. So don't ever do that. That's my whole point. 
That wasn't my point. I, I taught way too many hours this week and I'm losing my filter. The whole thing takes place at a wedding. I, if I could, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, you back 2,000 years. A wedding in the Jewish culture lasted seven days. It was actually called Simcha, joyous occasion. And everyone in the community would get together and they would party and celebrate and dance in delight for a long time. So one, he's going to restore resurrection joy. He's going to give you restful joy. And it is going to be a time of rejoicing and nothing is going to stop the joy train. Isn't that true at weddings? Have you ever been to a wedding where something didn't go wrong? <laughs> I, I've been to probably at this, this point in my life, I mean, after 23 years, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of weddings, something always goes wrong. It's astounding. I've been to weddings, outdoor weddings, where the bride walked through a fire ant pile. And, and yeah, and everyone was covered. Poor girl. We were, sw I mean, hmm, hmm. Stop the joy train. But you know what she said? Keep going. Nothing is stopping this. Poor girl is saying I do and dancing. At my wedding, Brooke and I's wedding, almost everything went wrong. I, the night before we got married, her dad ended up in the hospital with uh, heart issues, which is totally understandable. I'd have heart issues too if my daughter was marrying somebody like me, amen? Uh, I mean, that's just real. So we had a, we had a meeting. So we, do we need to call this thing off? No, nothing is stopping the joy train. We are moving forward. We got there. I've told you about my wedding coordinator, Zoe. She got fired from Al-Qaeda because she was too aggressive. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I had, man, I, we tried to talk her down. She's like, no. I, I mean, she might've been German. I don't know if that played into it. So I had to tell everybody, hey, we're just moving forward. We're going to get this done. We got, we got set up. I told you my, my videographer, he was Russian. He showed up drunk, like stumbling drunk. And he was telling me, a recovering alcoholic, I'm not drunk. And I was like, dude, it's vodka. It's Russian disinformation that vodka doesn't smell. Amen? I can smell it. I need you to go. Nothing's going to stop the joy train. Nothing's going to stop the party. You go up into the balcony, disappear. That's why we got the weirdest wedding video ever. It's just to the back of y'all's heads. I mean, it's astoundingly weird. And we said, we're not stopping it. During the ceremony, one of my, one of my groomsmen passed out, went down hard. Nobody caught him. <laughs> right? Right? Boom. Blood on the ice. I turned around and said, drag him off. Does he have a pulse? Yeah, drag him off. Not, right? Nothing. <laughs> I did. And they, they just they hooked him. Keep going. <laughs> because nothing's stopping the joy train. We're getting married. The, uh, the limo driver didn't show up. Didn't matter. He called, hey, I, can't, I, I, I can't find Trinity University. I was like, MapQuest it, bro. It was 2004. MapQuest it. Like, it's not rocket science. Look for the big tower. He's like, I just can't make it. So we drove in a 1983 Honda Civic with a pig, big pink uh, steering wheel and fluffy dice, cracked windshield. My wife's dress didn't even fit in there. <laughs> Nothing stopping the joy train. This is what John is saying. Jesus is going to restore resurrection joy, restful joy, and all of eternity will be rejoicing. That is where the Bible ends. Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, Christian. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him for the wedding supper of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. She's clothed in fine linen, white and clean because Jesus has purified them and restored joy. That's how eternity ends up. All of that to say nothing is going to stop Jesus from restoring joy and in Christ eternity is gonna be epic. You don't want to miss it. That's the picture here. On the third day, Jesus is at a wedding party and he does a sign that points you to eternity. You with me? There's the sign. Now, let's look at the wine. Uh, go to verse three. This is hilarious. Well, it's sad because in that culture, when the wine ran out, great shame on the family. 
Huge shame. It was a shame on our society. You run out. Well, it's kind of still true for us, isn't it? You ever have people over and run out of food? No. no? Yeah, in the South, we wouldn't do that. In Oregon, we would. <laughs> I'd invite my buddies over, get a 12-pack, and it's like, well, we ran out. When you run out, guess what? Yeah, party's over. How many of you were in a frat? This is probably really inappropriate to talk about, Carlton. I'm sorry. But in a frat, when the drink runs out, guess what? Party's over, isn't it? It's all right. Now you're all acting like I would, I never would, <laughs> would ever go to a frat party, David. All right, lie to yourselves. Watch this. What? I want you to see this. When, and John states it like it's a natural foregone conclusion because the people getting married were probably 13, 14. Um, the family was supposed to do all of this and arrange all this. Somehow calculations were off. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said, and it's just a statement, party's over. They have no wine. It would have been, imagine, you're throwing a party. I, used, I faced it. We have Saturday night service. And I'd always try and figure out how much food you get, how much drink you get, how do you make sure everybody's cared for. And it's this burden you carry. Is there enough for everybody? They didn't have enough. It ran out. And be, people began to murmur. The wine's out. The party's over. The joy is gone. You see, this is the picture of life in a fallen world. It's actually a beautiful picture in this world. The wine runs out. Joy runs out, doesn't it? Has the joy run out of your life? It's astounding because if you measure it from when you were a child, there was a lot of joy and a, a lot of wonder, wasn't there? Isn't it astounding as you grow up, the joy and wonder leaves? Has the joy run out? My kids teach me about this all of the time. It's actually a good gift that the joy runs out. If the joy didn't run out, say you, your favorite candy kept you joyful all of your life, you would be very obese, eating candy, and go to hell happy. That would be a horrible thing for God to do. Instead, he gives us sensory adaptation. Do you know when you're... You're eating your favorite meal, but if you eat it every day, guess what happens? Yeah. Ah, the joy runs out. If you've got your favorite candy, but you eat it every day, the joy runs out. You've got your favorite music. You love Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. So you listen to Paradise City every day since 1986. Guess what? The joy runs out. Uh, this is the truth in this world. I, we went on vacation. We were at the Grand Tetons. Anybody ever seen the Grand Tetons? It's astounding. We parked and it was like, this is marvelous. This is wonderful. Stopped by somebody who actually grew up there and worked there. Man, what a life you live. You wake up to this every morning. And the dude was like, meh. Meh? Meh? What's wrong with you? Sensory adaptation. When you see it every day, it doesn't matter. Same thing at the Grand Canyon. I mean, that was so visually overwhelming. I got dizzy. The people who work there, you get to see this every day. Meh. I see it every day. It doesn't matter. The wonder runs out, doesn't it? We, we live in a world that doesn't lack for wonders, but because of sin, we lack wonder. My kids teach me this. We'll be walking around backyard, my kids will say, Dad, the apples grow on a tree. See, they thought it was in H-E-B until they saw it. <laughs> Dad, apples grow on a tree. We eat apples and they taste delicious. This is wonderful. This is amazing. Me? Yeah, I'm busy. Everybody knows apples grow on trees. We, I've lost the wonder. Brooke taught me this yesterday. We, two days ago, we had to go to Home Depot to get stuff. And my wife, when she sees flowers, she just lights up. She goes over to them. It's honeysuckles, and Home Depot had a bunch of them. She's like, Dave, Dave, flowers. Yeah, flowers are everywhere. <laughs> she goes over, and she just lights up. Oh, Dave, they smell so sweet. It's astounding. Incredible. Me? I've got six things to get. I'm on a mission. Hurry up. She's like, Dave, you're missing out. So I decided to go over. Sure enough, the wonder returned. 
I bent over. And I was like, whoa, those do smell sweet. Those are good. I just started, I just sat there. And then Brooke walked around and says, your crack is showing, stand up. <laughs> and, <laughs> so I filled Home Depot with wonder. It was a different kind of wonder, but, but the wonder returned. <laughs> I'm so bad. And apparently that's okay if you're a plumber. I don't know why it's not okay if you're a pastor. You know, I, <laughs> it's just so bad. And my poor wife has to put up with it. My kids live with it. They tell me every day, Dad, get, wear a belt. I do. I just don't have hips and the pants fall down. I'm constantly doing this. The wonder runs out. Has the wonder, has the joy run out? That's what John is saying. In this life, the wonder, the joy, perpetually, consistently runs out. It's the Disneyland principle. It's the Disney World principle. Do you remember going when you were a kid? It was magical. That's why they call it the Magic Kingdom. Every part of Disneyland was terrific. The sights, the sounds, the smells. It was all terrific. It was filled with joy and wonder. Terrific as a child. As an adult, you go, and it is not terrific, is it? It's traumatic. <laughs> no, literally. I'm, I'm going in just a couple months. I think everybody's got to take their kids once. This is our turn. We've got to go. And I've watched people walking out. I've watched adults watching out of, walking out of Disney World. And it's a trauma response. Get everybody in the car. Like the magic's gone. Because in this world, we lose joy. Joy leaks because judgment looms. And God knows it's appointed for us to die once, and then comes the judgment. What's he going to do to restore joy? Friends, your joy matters. Joy is one of the greatest expositions of the gospel that we can give to the world. I happen to think life is joyful and hilarious, even in the difficulty of it. Every day is hard. Every day is hard. And I love the fact that he gives us joy, delight, and laughter, even in the difficult, long journey we're on. When the wine had run out, has the wine run out? I'm about to show you where to reconnect to find living joy, recurring joy. The wine had run out. Watch this. The, the joy always runs out. You're not weird. You're not odd. My name is Dave. I'm a recovering alcoholic addict, and um, I, I've wrestled with mental depression for most of my life, suicidal. I spent most of my early years wrestling with that depression, suicidal inclinations and tendencies. And I can tell you, Jesus will meet you in that and he will give you joy. There's hope and there's life in Jesus Christ. Now watch how he does it. Watch verse, I'm gonna go, we'll start with four. In five, his mom is used to it. Uh, go to four though. Jesus said to her, so she comes to him and says, they're out of wine. That's just a statement. There was no question. There, I'm whistling again, huh? Was that a whistle? I've been working on it. I've got my Invisaligns, but I'm still whistling. Doesn't matter. If you can deal with a redneck preacher, I'm good with it. Watch, uh, his mom says they're out of wine and Jesus says to her, Woman, what does this have to do with us? Does that not seem disrespectful to anyone? Like as we read it in the text, does that not seem dismissive? Like whatever, I'm trying to save the world here, woman. I mean, you read through it and you're like, something is profoundly wrong here. Like either Jesus just lost his cool, lost it with his mom. She was trying to dress him up and be like, your hair is sticking up, Jesus. Whatever, woman. I mean, there's something we need to look at here. If, my, if any of my kids spoke to my wife this way, can you imagine if Brooke came down? All right, kids, all right, it's time to clean up your room. And my eight-year-old woman, <laughs> what, has, <laughs> what has this to do with us? I would lose my stuff. Anybody else? Like, you don't talk to your mom like that, dude. Now, you know, now I got to... I got to discipline you. 
there's something interesting I, I want you to see here because in this line, there's actually beauty. This is what happens when you translate from the Greek to the English and you separate things by 2,022 years. You lose some stuff. What, what's actually going on here, if I, Bill and Ted Excellent Adventured you back in the South, Texas, Alabama, Mississippi, I hear you guys say the same thing. It's just used in a different way. You've, in the South, you've got a four-letter word for this. No, it's a good one. Don't worry. I know there's kids here. It's actually M-A apostrophe A-M. Ma'am, it's a statement. It's a question. Uh, it's a term of endearment. It's a t- term of care. If, if somebody older, than, a, a gal older than you says something, you don't hear her. You say, ma'am, that's a question. It's, astounding. it's an astounding cultural thing. Nobody else gets it, but it's a Southern thing, isn't it? Ma'am, that is, I'm sorry, sweetie, I didn't hear what you said. Would you please repeat that? That's all Jesus is saying here. This isn't disrespectful at all. I'm actually convinced that Jesus was deep in thought. And when she said they're out of wine, he said, ma'am, I'm, I'm not sure what... I'm not sure what you're referring to. I'm not sure what this has to do with us at this point in time. Uh, So one, it was incredibly endearing and respectful, but watch why he said it. This is going to explain where joy can only come from. Here's why he said it. What does this have to do with us? I'm not, ma'am, I'm not sure what, what you want me to do. Here's why. My hour has not yet come. When Mary came and said, they're out of wine, I believe Jesus was deep in thought. He was watching the wedding celebration and all of the different pictures of the wedding celebration spoke to what's going to take place in eternity. And I think Jesus was sitting there thinking about the true cost of restoring joy. You see, you do this sometimes as dads. I don't know if moms do it. You have a child, you have two child. It was after the third child that we're sitting in the hospital and Brooke would say, what are you thinking about? I'd say, how much college is gonna cost? We've got three. Anybody else? Because I had just read Business Insider Business Review, $233,000, and I'm on my third one. I'm like two, four, six, nine. Oh my goodness. Because you're thinking about the cost of restoring joy life and hope to this, this child. Jesus said, ma'am, I'm not sure what this has to do with me. My hour has not yet come to restore joy. Watch again, John being beautiful. Watch what he does. This is in chapter two, verse four. He uses this phrase, my hour, to point to what Jesus is going to do to restore joy. I wanna show it to you as you go through. Go ahead uh, and pull up chapter seven, verse 30. Here's the next time he uses my hour. So they were seeking to arrest Jesus, but no one laid a hand on him because his his hour had not yet come. It wasn't time to pay for sin and restore joy. Go to 820, watch this. These words, Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not come. It wasn't time to pay for the sin of the world and return joy. Go to 1227. Now, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this. Jesus was heading to the cross. He knew his hour would come when he would make payment and restore joy, but it wasn't time yet. Go, that's 1227, go 13.1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his, he knew that he was gonna be arrested and flogged and mocked and tried and crucified to pay for sin's penalty, remove sin, to reconcile us to the source of joy so that the joy might flow again. Then in 17.1, it's the last John uses again. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour's come. They're coming for me. And this is what my whole life has been about. But if I don't do it, joy dies. And so Jesus said the hour had come. Why did Jesus say that to Mary? He said, ma'am, I'm not sure what you want me to do. The hour to restore joy, not just to the wedding, but to the whole world hasn't come yet. So I think Mary was used to it. Go to verse five. Uh, That's why Mary, uh, Mary said to the servants, 
Whatever he says to you, do it. She wasn't put off by a statement, woman, what does this have to do with us? I, I mean, can you imagine raising the son of God? <laughs> she had to just be repeatedly, continually baffled because he would say things that were so wise. I mean, the first instance we get of Jesus is in the temple. Mary and Joseph lose their son. Anybody ever done it? Okay, I'll hear more stories later. Uh, They lost him for two days, multiple days. Can you imagine losing the son of God? Like imagine me and Joseph and Mary. Oh, God's going to be so upset. Like he gave him to us and we lost him. (laughs) That's horrible. You know they were freaking out on that journey back. And what did Jesus say to them? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? No sin. It was just this young, young child speaking to the rabbis and he looked at his mom. I think Mary was used to it. So when he said, woman, what does this have to do with us? Mary was like, I don't even know what you mean by that. But servants, whatever he says, do it. Because he just shows up. The, guy, the guy's clutch. So whatever he says, do it. Ends up he's the son of God, created everything, maintains everything. He's going to save everything. I don't know how, but do it. Watch. Now watch. Here's the thing. Here's where joy, here's how joy is restored. Watch this in the text. It's so beautiful. If you miss John, he's painting a picture for you. Watch. I'm, I'm going to go six and we're going to watch how joy is restored. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification. Now, I think we all agree, when Jesus does a miracle, he can do a miracle however he wants, amen? And he does it different each time. It's not like he repeats it. So we wouldn't think that the miracle was in how he did it. Sometimes he'll spit into the mud and make up some mud and put it on dude's face. And everybody was okay with it. That's just how he chose to, when he fed the 5,000, He just took a kid's lunchbox, lunchable, and he just multiplied food, and there was enough for everybody. How he does them uh, says something. Watch this, because he chooses to do it in a different way. He says there were six stone water pots set there. Why? Well, for the custom of Jewish purification. Uh, See, this is where our cultures are different. The Jew, everywhere they went, they would have, before they interacted, they would have to ceremonially cleanse with water. They would have to wash. So if they, if they went down to the local chilies, they would wash before they ate because they could have touched something unclean. Before they went over to somebody's house, they would wash. Before a wedding, they would wash. These were reminders to the Jewish people that they were unclean. If you look at all the Levitical law, they knew we're unclean. And they knew that water itself wouldn't undo it. It's not that much different, I I guess, culturally. Well, there's differences. Do you guys remember (laughs) COVID-19? Do you remember when it was spreading? Everywhere you went, you had to put your hand. It was like, and then they're like, oh, hey, listen, there's asymptomatic carriers. You have to wear a mask to protect other people from you. And it got really weird, didn't it? Because it was like, if you love, wear a mask because you're an asymptomatic carrier. In America, everybody else was dirty, but we were clean. And people got freaked out. They put on one mask, then two masks, then three masks. I saw one dude, his face was turning red. I was like, dude, COVID's not going to kill you. You're blocking your carotid. That's going to kill you because you got all of these masks on. It's like asymptomatic carriers. Everybody else is dirty. I wish everybody would just stay at home. It's like, well, you're out too, bro. That's a thing but it's how different our culture, the Jew knew they were unclean and they perpetually had to wash. In America, we blame and shame and say everybody else is unclean. They need to wash, but I'm perfect. It's astounding. The Jew was constantly reminded through ceremonially washing that they were unclean and they needed a savior. They needed a sacrifice. The perpetual washing was a reminder that water wasn't enough. They needed a blood sacrifice, and even the animal sacrifices weren't enough. So Jesus takes these stone water pots that were there to remind them they were unclean and says, I've got to restore joy. So they contained 20 or 30 gallons each. That's a lot. Anybody carry in two gallons of milk from the... Yeah, this, each of these pots was like 30 gallons of milk, and there were six of them. That's 180 gallon. Like, that's a lot, right? Do you know how many, 
Do you know how many uh, gallons is in a keg of beer? <laughs> Partier! <laughs> and I wish you could be up here because he's like 15.5. <laughs> it's true. He's spot on. So if you do the math, I'm not even pointing out who it was. And there's others of you I knew because you were whispering. You just didn't want to say it because you're like, I'm not going to say that in church. There's Baptists here and they'll be offended. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, he's about to restore joy con mucho gusto. This is a lot. This is like a dozen kegs if you do the math. This is a lot. Jesus, there was 20 or 30 gallons in each. Go to verse 7. Watch this. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. This is a lot of water. I don't know how long this took. This was like 1,500 pounds of water. And it wasn't an easy thing. So Jesus probably sat there as they filled it up. Watch verse 8. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. Verse 9. Uh, when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, he didn't know where it came from, but the servant who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom. So now you've got 12 kegs of wine. You've got all of this wine. That, that the servants, they scoop some of the wine. They take it to the head waiter. The head waiter tastes it, and he's amazed. And he makes an announcement. He calls, he, he calls the bridegroom. Watch this. When the head waiter, he tasted the water which had become wine, did not know where it came from, the servants who had drawn the water knew. The head waiter called for the bridegroom. Watch 10. And said to him, every man serves the good wine first. You put the best foot forward, the expensive wine goes first. And after everybody's drunk freely or they're drunk, they can't tell the difference between Franzia, wine in a box. <laughs> and I don't even know what expensive wine is. It's never been my thing. But expensive wine... Cardboard wine or expensive wine? They put the expensive wine out first and they, stay, they save the Franzia for later. Amen? But you've done the exact opposite. This wine is better than any of the wine that you've served. What is, what is Jesus doing here? It becomes plain and clear. The stone pots, the water could not cleanse them and could not restore joy but when that water couldn't cleanse them, Jesus changed it into something and said, I'm going to restore your joy. I turned that water into wine. You see, you need something better than water to cleanse you. You need the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you have the blood that is better than everything else, you're clean and joy returns. You see, the reason that head waiter could take that cup and drink it, that cup of joy and delight and declare party on is because Jesus knew he was going to come. Joy could be restored because Jesus was going to come drink the cup of judgment. Father, the hour has come. What shall I say? Let this cup pass from me, Luke 22. It's actually for this cup, this hour that I came. And you need to know the reason joy leaks is because judgment looms. You don't realize it, but it's true. I was going to ask you how many have been on trial for attempted murder or some other, but I don't figure there's that many here, amen? Um, how many of you have ever been pulled over by a police officer for speeding? Okay, thank you for your honesty. And when you get pulled over and you're sitting there on the side of 281, last time I got pulled over, it was after an elder meeting. It feels dirtier after you're at a church event. It just does. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to tell them I'm coming from a church event. It just feels yucky. But I did. I watched the YouTube video on how to care for police officers, so I put my hands on the wheel, big and tall, so they could see them. But I tell you, in that moment, do you remember sitting there? Joy is gone. Is it not? Joy is gone because judgment is coming and then sure enough, you're looking in the rearview mirror and the police officer gets out, pulls up his bat belt. It's got to be hard traveling with that bat, bat belt. I don't know how you guys do that. You take it off and then put, it doesn't matter. And then the officer starts walking to your car. You feel it, don't you? Judgment's coming. The joy is gone because judgment looms. The officer's going to come and, and they're going to say, license and registration, please. And then he's going to ask you a question. I don't know why they ask. 
They've got you on radar. You know how fast you were going tonight. And then you know it's coming. Your heart is racing because judgment's coming. I knew. It was 10 miles over. It's going to be $261. I've been here before. I know what it's going to be. Golly, I don't want to spend two. So I just keep my hands. License and registration, please. It's in my pocket. Go ahead and get it. Okay. Flashlight on you. Give it to him. Judgment's coming, and you know it. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have been pulled over. This life is like sitting in that car and the officer coming. Joy is gone. But then that officer this last time did something that I'd never experienced before. He went back to his car, and I said, here it comes, the ticket. He came out with a big white sheet. I knew he had printed off the ticket. It's like, no, I can't believe this. I was at an elder meeting, Jesus. I was serving you. Isn't that good? Why? The officer came up and he said, sir, tonight I'm just going to give you a warning. And I said, what? Literally, this came out. That's a thing? I thought that was an urban legend. He said, would you like me to give you a ticket? And I said, no, 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 no. I just didn't know those were real. I didn't know you could do warnings. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm letting you go free tonight. Slow down. Get home to your family. He really cared for me well. You see, in this world, joy leaks because judgment looms. The reason the head waiter could say party on is because Jesus drank the cup and it was party over. He was judged for you. He took the wrath of God for you so you could be filled with wonder. He was judged so you might have joy. He was forsaken so you might be forgiven. He was condemned so that you might celebrate. And if you don't understand that, you won't have joy in your life because you won't be able to say, there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. If you don't understand that Jesus was condemned for you, you will live as though you're in that car and judgment is coming. You won't know joy and you won't be able to express joy to a world that desperately needs to know Joy resides in Jesus Christ. Have you been washed with the blood? If you have, it's party on. It's game on. Love well. Delight deeply. Celebrate because this world needs to see that Jesus changes everything. And he starts with you. Let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you that we can get together. We can clap. We can celebrate because Jesus, you were condemned for us Father, thank you. There is no greater love than this, than that one would lay down his life for another. Jesus, thank you for laying down your life for us. You're an altogether good shepherd. I can't even imagine what you you went through as you hung on that cross and you became sin for me so that by grace I might become the righteousness of God through your work. And I pray today that that knowledge would seep and be planted deep into my heart, into our hearts, so that joy may abound more and more as we understand the extent and the depth to which you've loved us. Father, I pray you'd be pleased now as we sing to you and simply say thank you for doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.